All right, what is going on? Welcome to another episode of the Risen Fallen Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hendrickson. And if you're brand new here, what you can expect is open and authentic conversations about things like mental health, self-development, and how to get your life back on track, how to get your life moving in the right direction and feeling like you're, you know, obviously moving in the right direction, but making improvements in your life. If you're not brand new to this podcast and you're a returning listener or viewer, whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening to the podcast version, then thank you very much for coming back and supporting and showing others that you are willing to strengthen yourself, lift yourself up, and then turn around and and lift others up as well. And uh, I think that that's what this podcast is all about. Now, I want to remind you guys as well, while I'm doing a little bit of housekeeping, that we do have the mental health group moving into the new year, still going strong. We're still doing in-person meetups. We're still doing Zoom calls to follow up with everybody and see how everybody's doing. Um, That is on a weekly basis as well. Uh, We do have a uh, Telegram group where we kind of have daily conversations and chat about, you know, what's going on in our lives and, and, uh, you know, help each other through those things. But every single weekend, we like to do either an in-person meetup and uh, go for a hike, go skating, do something cool in person, something active and something that keeps us moving. And then the the weekends that we don't move up or uh, go out and meet up in person that we like to uh, at least do a Zoom call so that we can still keep in communication. The The goal of this is obviously to just create a little bit more community, create a little bit more connection, and uh, like I said, try and lift each other up. So if you're interested in joining the group there, um, you can message me on Instagram. It's at Risen Fallen, and I'll throw you into the group so you can be included in the group chats. You can be included in the meetups. You can be included in the, the Zoom calls. And like I said, build a little bit more connection and community around your mental health, around your self-development, and be included in conversations like this. Now, um, obviously, throughout December and throughout the new year, I was talking a lot about uh, self-development, getting yourself moving in the right direction come January, and starting this new year off strong. I wanted to, uh, as well, kind of do a couple of follow-ups on some recent news that's going on in Canada, uh, a little bit here in British Columbia, but also just be able to talk about some current events and give you guys my thoughts, my opinions, and uh, we'll see how that goes. You guys can uh, reach out to me and let me know your thoughts and your opinions. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can leave it in the comments. If you're watching or listening to the podcast version, you can throw it in a review. Uh, You can also... Uh, just message me on Instagram and, and start a conversation with me. Maybe you can change my mind if you disagree with me. I'm always open to having those types of conversations. I, I, I love to have my perspective changed uh, sometimes. Sometimes I can be a little bit stubborn and I, I will defend my position, but I, I love having those types of conversations. Um, so let's just jump into it. I got um, some brand new headphones here. Brought to you by my uh, girlfriend. That was a Christmas present of mine. So I got brand new headphones for the podcast, which I'm stoked about. I also got a new iPad as well from her as well, which I'll be reading the stories off of today. Uh, just kind of makes the podcast a little bit more seamless. And then uh, as well, when I do interviews, sorry, I had a beard hair stuck in my mouth there. But as well, when I do interviews, it'll kind of come in handy, I'm assuming, because we can kind of pass it back and forth and look at different things. But um Let's jump into the first story of the day, which is kind of a silly, kind of a funny one. Uh, basically, it says for uh, the this is I'm at, I'm recording this at the end of December right now, so 
This will be aired next week. It says, more heavy rain to arrive in BC overnight amid atmospheric river. And this honestly is kind of funny to me in a couple different ways. The first one is the fact that people are still shocked that we have quote unquote atmospheric rivers, uh, which the, the title even says the more, you know, what I would consider to be uh, the more normal term for this uh, event, which is just heavy rain. Uh, I, I'm shocked that people are still shocked by the fact that we have heavy rain uh, simply because literally if you grew up in the Vancouver area, if you grew up in BC, you are educated on in, in elementary school, you're educated on the fact that we live in what's called a boreal rainforest, I believe. And it's like, dude, we literally live in a motherfucking rainforest. Why are people still shocked that we have heavy rain? The other thing that kind of confuses me about this is why do we have to make up new terms for heavy fucking rain? I've never heard like this atmospheric river term before when I was a little kid. It just recently came up in the news in the last couple of years. And it's like, why do we need to make up new terms for things that we already know about? Like if you say atmospheric river, uh, I mean, maybe someone's a fucking climate specialist and they can educate me a little bit more on this. But I feel like everybody knows what the term heavy rain is. And like downpour, torrential downpour, like those terms are things that we already know about. Why do we have to make up new terms like atmospheric river? Maybe this is a new term, but I feel like the outcome is the exact same. And it just basically means it's going to rain a shit ton. So like, why do we have to make up new fucking terms for this? I don't understand. If one of you can explain this to me, maybe we can even have a conversation about this on the podcast, but I just really don't understand this. It really comes back to... For me, it's like why why we make up new terms for things that we already have terms for in our language just to kind of complicate things. And I feel like it's, at the end of the day, uh, a way for the media and a way for other people to just kind of get a little bit more shock value in the things that they talk about because it makes it sound way more scary and way more exciting, way more, you know, kind of anxiety driving. And uh, it just doesn't really make sense to me. So, um yeah, let me know what you guys think about that because this whole atmospheric river thing, I never fucking heard this term before like the last two years. And it's like, why can't we just say heavy rain? Um, and as well, like I'm going to include the articles and, the, and everything like that in the description of this so you guys can go and check them out as well and, and see, um, you know, what you think. Maybe I'm reading this wrong or maybe I'm just dumb, but... I don't know, it kind of confuses me. The next uh, article I want to discuss was an article on CTV News. Came through, it says, Never experienced a festive season this difficult. Why food banks are calling on donations and long-term solutions. This is something that kind of, again, it kind of strikes me as concerning because I feel like there's so many issues here. The first one is... You know, the fact that we are still looking for services that provide, you know, food for people like and and it's increasing every single year. They said that the people that are looking for these services, the people that kind of go about getting these services uh, increased from 1.45 million to 1.68 million. That's almost a quarter million increase in people that are looking for services like food banks. Uh, just struggling to get food. A lot of these people are working. A lot of these people are, are uh, they do have jobs, they're employed. And it's concerning because it's like, why are we seeing a quarter of a million people increase looking for food? Um, it's a key 
indicator for me that it's like there's a bigger problem here that uh you know more and more people are struggling to pay their bills struggling to be able to just even afford fucking simple necessities like food our government is struggling to take care of those and i'm not saying take care of people in terms of just giving them things or giving them money or giving them food but giving them opportunities and not taxing them out the fucking ass so that they can actually afford a decent living. It's it's mind-blowing to me that, you know, we have such a highly taxed system here. You know, we're taxed extremely high on our income. We're taxed extremely high when we purchase things. We're taxed literally every single step that is possible to tax citizens of Canada, we're taxed on. And it's extremely heavy as well. It's not like we have like super low taxes that come in all the time. We have extremely high taxes that were taxed in every single step of the way, yet we're seeing quarter of a million people increase over the last little while that are applying to get food through a food bank. And it's like, that is a huge indicator that we are paying way too much tax to get no service in return. And people talk about so much about how our tax dollars go towards helpful things like the medical system. But I'm about to get into that as well. But it just baffles my mind because this is something that is, you know, a real world application where people are seeing our government fall short in a very critical development area, which I talk about all the time on this podcast, which is filling up your own cup before you pour out your energy, your funds, your emotional uh, levels, whatever it could be, your love, you know, filling up the cups of others before you fill up your own cup. And this is something that we see far too often with the Canadian government, in my personal opinion. I'm not trying to get too political. I'm trying to actually tie this back into mental health and self-development in that our government is spending not millions, but billions of dollars on other countries, fueling wars, etc., doing tons of things behind our backs. And to be quite honest, just fleecing Canadian citizens of their money and just taking it and pocketing it themselves. We've seen time after time we have scandals with our current tyrant uh, or prime minister, whatever you want to call him, uh, where he's just in scandals, left, right, and center. Millions of dollars go missing. Millions of dollars can't be accounted for. And his pockets are being lined with millions of dollars somehow. Yet the citizens that are working hard to try and even fucking make a living and eat food, to let alone go to work and pay more taxes for him, you know, the, these people are struggling to even eat. And it's like, why are we spending billions of dollars overseas and billions of dollars into these fucking bureaucrats' pockets when we could really just be taking care of the citizens that are fueling the entire machine in the first place? Uh, even from like a selfish, if you were to think of this as like um, from a selfish standpoint, from a prime minister or a leader's perspective, if you want to continue getting money from this machine, wouldn't you want to make sure that the machine can keep running in the first place? It's something to think about. It's something to consider. And it's something to really ponder about is like, do they really want this machine to keep running properly? Should Mark put on his tinfoil hat before he records this? Something to think about. Um, the other side of it is like, why are we trying to create problems to remedy the outcome 
without actually trying to figure out why more and more people are depending on food banks to eat in general. What I mean by that is why are we trying to, you know, obviously I I am all about taking care of people that are suffering, taking care of people that don't, you know, have enough to make ends meet and they're working hard and they're trying their fucking ass off to to complete, you know, a a work day and and get enough food in them to so that they can be a productive member of society. But why not bear the question of, you know, why are more and more people even needing this service to begin with? Even the article itself says that, you know, we're having to rely on the, it says, this is the quote, the reality of it is we've built a system where private charity is filling in for when the social safety net should be, you know, food itself will not bring people out of poverty. And, and this concludes exactly my thoughts, right? Like we've built a system where we're supposed to have the social safety net. We're supposed to be able to take care of people. That's why we pay out the ass and all these taxes. Yet when it comes time to take care of the people that we need to take care of, we're seeing private companies take care of it in the first place. And so it's like, why are we paying out the ass in taxes to fund a government that isn't even taking care of us? And we need to end up relying on privately run uh, corporations or organizations, people that are working like regular everyday citizens that are creating these organizations that solve the problems and, and fill the holes in the system, which is supposed to be filling the hole itself. It's something, um, I'd be excited to hear somebody's input that has a differing opinion than me uh, and and try and see, you know, how they think or what they think about this situation where we're paying so much in this system. And uh, at the end of the day, there's still gaps left where private organizations are having to fill in these gaps. This next thing is going to be kind of a recap of another episode that I did a while back, which is the medical assistance in dying in Canada, the system that's going to be coming through. I believe it's in March 2023. They're looking to approve this. And um, I got two related stories on this that I want to share with you guys that kind of show a couple different opinions. But um, I want to give you guys my thoughts. Again, you've already probably heard them if you've listened to that last episode. If you haven't yet, you can go back and listen to it if you want. I I do recommend that, but I'm going to, excuse me, I'm going to recap basically these two stories and then I'll recap as well my thoughts on this whole thing and uh, we'll kind of go from there. So the first one, the story is... um, It's titled, A Death Debate, Why Some Welcome Canada's Move to Assisted Dying for It and Others Fear It. Now, this article, uh, and again, this will be shared in the description so you guys can go and read this and listen to the video. That There's a 17-minute long video of of an interview that uh, includes a man who's applying for medical assistance and dying in Canada. He is... A journalist, it sounds like, that was kind of taking uh, taking on news stories in war times. He, he it sounds like he suffers from PTSD. He was prescribed, um, well, he was diagnosed with depression, and he was described out the ass with uh, basically tons of different drugs. Uh, basically, it's a it's a weird uh, kind of cold interview. The interviewer herself, like the reporter, sounds very cold the entire time. She doesn't really sound sympathetic. Honestly, in my perspective, and I'm not a fucking dog, I don't know why I always find the need to clarify this, but 
I'm not a fucking doctor. I'm not diagnosing this woman, but she sounds like a fucking sociopath. She doesn't really have any empathy at all. Um, the the only time she expresses a little bit of empathy is right near the end where she just kind of says something like to the effect of like, wow, this is so sad. And she just kind of says it coldly and weirdly. But basically, this man sounds like he's suffering from PTSD. It sounds like he's a journalist in war times. He's got two different suicide attempts. One of them, he um, basically, in his own words, he botched. He took a bunch of pills and tried to overdose. He didn't end up overdosing. He goes to the hospital kind of thing. They save him. They bring him back to life. The second suicide attempt, there's a point where he actually says, as he's trying to commit suicide, he says that he has a voice in his head saying, don't do this. Don't do this. Right. And this kind of says to me, it screams out the fact that there's something within this man that wants him to keep going, that wants him to continue on um, living and trying to, you know, find a purpose or find a, a, a good outcome from this suffering. And I think that this goes along with what I was saying last time, which is, you know, again, we have this social safety net, we have this medical system, which is supposed to be, you know, provided by taxes, and it's supposed to take care of everybody in a timely manner. Yet, it's obviously failing a large portion of society that is looking to literally just die. Um, the message that this sends to people the from our government from our medical system is that, hey, uh, yeah, we've tried literally what we can do, what we're willing to try, and uh, the only thing we can do left is offer you death. Um, and that's just such a fucking degrading and such a you know, depressing fucking message to be sent to people that are already suffering from depression. Like, yeah, we don't really see a solution for you either, so we can just offer you a quick and dignified death is basically the literally the best way I can sugarcoat this. Um, it does, it also kind of displays our government's lack of interest to kind of vary from big pharma and the remedies that it already has, uh, in the interview, it says like, uh, the, the gentleman is quoted, well, he's not quoted cause I'm not going to get this exactly, but he basically says something where he says, um, you know, that he's tried everything. He's tried every remedy available. And then when asked about what remedies he's tried, he basically just says that he's tried shock therapy and he's tried a, a fuck ton of different antidepressants. And to me, you know, obviously he's been suffering. He's been trying his very best, but it's like, man, we're obviously not offering the right remedies. There's so many different things that, you know, I've even talked to firefighters on this podcast that suffer from PTSD that have done, you know, ketamine therapy, there's obviously other ways that we can use psychedelics to try and look into uh, some sort of therapy. And um, it's just showing that our government and our pharmaceutical system and our medical system isn't really looking to find new solutions or vary from their path of just prescribing fucking antidepressants and SSRIs to try and basically put a Band-Aid on the wound and not try and figure out how the wound got there in the first place and see if we can actually solve the problem and the cause of the wound that is happening. And it's difficult, obviously, because this wound isn't a physical wound. It's a mental wound. It's something that has to be dug deep into. But uh, it's just showing that the medical system is obviously failing many people. And it's not a small problem. And so he says in this, in this interview as well, 
that he's just trying to find a dignity, uh, find a way to die with dignity because he doesn't want to just um, kind of continue to, like I said, this is a quote by him, but botch his suicide attempts. He wants to find a way to die with dignity. And, and to be honest, there's a lot of literature on this as well. You know, I, I always go back to the book Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, who, uh, again, is a doctor, so listen to him and not me, but he talks a lot about logos therapy and finding a, a purpose within the suffering. And that's something that I talk to talk about all the time on this podcast as well, is try and find a reason or a good outcome from the suffering that you're going through, right? And, you know, there's so many different ways that I find that suffering can help us. And I'm not saying that it's always a good thing necessarily or that, um, it's a, you know, it's that people deserve to suffer, but I do think that there's a lot of good that can come from discomfort. There's a lot of good that can come from pain and uncomfortability. In fact, that's in my personal opinion, the only way to, to strike progress or to, to get on that road is to first go through uncomfortability. Um, and obviously I'm not trying to lighten the idea of mental suffering saying that it's no big deal. What I am saying is there is a good like outcome that can come from mental suffering or physical suffering. And at the very least, if you're going to be suffering mentally, in, in my personal opinion, one of the best things that can come from it is to be able to push through it and to be able to send the message to others and set an example for others and lead from the front and be able to show people that, you know, there is a way out of this. There is a way to kind of improve your life. There is a way to make small changes in society and uh, be able to strengthen yourself and t- to continue to push through adversity and to show others that it's possible. Because if there's some young kids watching these types of interviews and they're seeing, you know, older gentlemen in life and they're seeing older women in life that are, you know, maybe in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever, and they're like in their 20s and they're suffering mentally and they're seeing all these people that are older than suffer them suffering mentally and these people that are older that are suffering mentally are just saying like, hey, I, I'm giving up. I'm just, you know, there's nothing that can help me. There's nothing that can, that, that can aid this pain that can help me push through this and I'm just going to basically like look towards the government to help me die. What kind of a message does that send to the next generation? What kind of message does that send to the next suffering person, you know, in, um, in, in narcotics anonymous and alcoholics anonymous and a lot of those groups, those 12 step programs, they talk a lot about the therapeutic, um, you know, the, the, um, the therapeutic value in one addict helping another. And I think that that really does, you know, shine through into the mental health side of things where it's like, you know, the, the one person that's the therapeutic value of somebody suffering mentally helping the next person that's suffering mentally and how that actually helps the first person who's, who's suffering because it gives them a purpose to kind of shine through for somebody else. But obviously as well for the, the second person suffering, it shows them that there's a light at the end of this, that, you know, things can improve that, you know, I can make myself a little bit better one step at a time every single day, whether it's 10% better or 1% better, just one step forward. I can find a way out of this that isn't resulting in just simply dying. You know, this is something that, in his words, he says that it's not treatable and there are no options, but that is simply just from his perspective. And that that's, 
you know, this is my perspective on it is that it's, it's from his perspective, there's no options, but that's not true. There's, there's always going to be uh, an option. And, uh, you know, we see this in stoic philosophy as well. We talk about, you know, um, the obstacle is the way, you know, there's not always a way to go around these things. There's not always a way to avoid these things. Sometimes the things that we are suffering from, the, the obstacles that we're facing are actually the things that are going to get us to the next chapter in life, the things that are going to aid us and the things that we need to overcome so that we can help, you know, other people overcome the exact same thing or things that are similar or to be able to overcome the same thing that we might face again in the future. These are the things that are going to strengthen us and the things that are going to condition us and make us more formidable so that we can actually start to deal with, you know, uh, a small amount of suffering, a, a, a moderate amount of suffering, a larger amount of suffering. Because at the end of the day, life, you know, you, you hear about the Buddhist um, philosophy say that life is suffering. And when they say that, they're not saying that the end of it all, that, like the entire thing is suffering. It's that suffering is always going to be there. It's a constant thing. And it's something that we need to overcome so that we can actually appreciate the pleasures in life. And so this is one of the key things that I, I like to remind myself of and other people of when hearing about stories like this is that, you know, there is going to be a time where this ends. Everything in life is temporary, and that includes this suffering. And a lot of us kind of look back at the pleasures in life, the, the joy in life, the happy emotions, the happy times, and we think, oh, that was just temporary, but this suffering is forever. But that's not true. The same that could be said about your, your, your joy being temporary could also be said about your suffering being temporary. And to be able to push through those things not only makes your own life better, but it shows the example of, of basically anybody else suffering. It shows them the example that life can get better. And that's what I think the important message is to push at the end of the day. And the last article I'm going to share with you guys is also related to this as well. It's a man that I spoke about in the last time I spoke about this made program that they're trying to push in Canada right now. Um, his name's Amir Farsud, and this is somebody that I spoke about. If you listen to the episode, um, you remember me talking about this. If you didn't listen to the episode, basically this man is living in Ontario. He's got chronic back pain. He's, you know, suffering essentially because he's on um, government pay. I can't remember what it's called in Ontario. I think it's like ODSP or something like that. Um, I'm just trying to find that here. I don't see it in the article. I'm just scrolling through. Yeah, ODSP, uh, Ontario Disability Support Payments. So he's on ODSP right now, and that's what's paying for his housing. He can't work right now due to some back pain. Uh, he's got chronic back pain. I say it like some back pain, like it's not really a big deal, but this guy literally barely walks. He's suffering physically. And because he has this chronic illness uh, that's making him have this back pain that's, that's, uh, that's forcing him to suffer physically, he's at risk of losing his housing. And so because he had the risk of homelessness, he was actually applying for MAID in the first place. So he has a chronic physical problem that qualifies him to, to apply for MAID, but that's not the reason he's applying for MAID. The reason he's applying for MAID, which is medical assistance in dying, 
is the fact that he's actually at risk of being homeless. And he basically says that, um, you know, that's the reason he's looking to, to die is because he fears living with no dignity. He fears living on the streets. And essentially what happens is after his story goes in the news, someone creates a GoFundMe account uh, to try and help him pay his rent, to try and help him pay his living expenses. And they end up raising over $60,000 in the last couple months. And he is basically completely stunned by this. He's shocked and he's thrown away his application for MAID. Even though he still qualifies for it because of his physical illness, he's throwing away his application because he's not at risk for homelessness. And this is the type of hope that I'm talking about, this this act of kindness from society. And again, it's also showing the display of you know, private organizations, private citizens having to solve the problems where our medical system and our government are falling short, where this private citizen raised $60,000 for this one gentleman so that he could pay his bills. He's he's had it portioned out and he's separating it by $800 payment. So it's going to last him around four years, roughly. And now he's, he's not only like on the fence, he's thrown away his application. He says, I don't want to die anymore. The very first question that happens in the in the interview that's on the article that I'm going to share with you guys, excuse me, is the reporter asking, are you afraid of death? He says, yes, of course. Who isn't? He says, I don't want to die. The only reason I ever wanted this was because I didn't think that my quality of life was going to be great. He said, he was at risk for homelessness, and he, he didn't want to live with no dignity. He says, there's a quote that he says, he says, it's like in the movies where a death row inmate gets his reprieve, and that's exactly what it feels like. He says that, um, you know, basically he says that he, he, he was only considering this, and the people that are considering this treatment uh, of basically just death are the people that consider themselves throwaways of society. And that's exactly how he saw himself. He saw himself as somebody that, you know, he's paid taxes, I'm assuming, his entire life. And um, because of an illness that he has uh, and physical suffering that he has and he can't work, so he's on disabilities. But the money that he's getting in disabilities can't even cover his basic fucking needs in life, like a fucking roof over his head and some food to fucking feed him. And so he basically says at the end of the interview, he says, and this is the quote, the kindness, the humanity, the compassion that I saw in the last month and a half, I didn't think it existed anymore, but it does. And so because somebody showed some compassion, somebody, somebody, you know, started this trickle effect, this ripple effect or butterfly effect in life uh, of starting a GoFundMe account and basically raising funds for this gentleman so that he could have a little bit more money to supplement his ODSP. Uh, and again, this money, it's really cool because after paying, uh, he got the $60,000, he uses 20 grand of it to basically pay off a bunch of fucking debt. He's got 40 grand left of it that he's breaking down into $800 payments that are going to come to him monthly. And he's going to spend that accordingly. He still qualifies for having ODSP, which is the uh, disability services program. And he's going to be able to live in the house that he's living in and be able to pay for his food and groceries and everything like that. And it's covering his living expenses. And that is exactly what the system is supposed to do is to be able to help those who can't. And it's, it's, you know, shining a light on the, on the, the, it's shining a light on a few things. It's shining a light on the fact that the, the systems that we have in play right now in Canada aren't taking care of the people that need it the most. 
it's also shining a light on the fact that, you know, our government is now, you know, and our medical system is now pushing for basically the option of giving up on people and offering them death. And these are people that, you know, for the most part, I'm not saying that this is every single case, but for the most part, when shown a little bit of compassion and shown a little bit of uh, 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 an option for dignity and a, an option to be provided for as well when they can't provide for themselves, they don't want to actually do this. And it's, uh, you know, probably one of the main reasons why there's European experts right now that are reaching out and saying to Canada, like, maybe you should hit the brakes on this, pump the brakes and reconsider some of the pitfalls of this system that you're trying to put through, which is, like I said, the medical assistance in dying. There's European countries that have had these systems in play for a while now, and they're telling the Canadian system to fucking pump the brakes and reconsider some of the pitfalls that, that could be going on. And the Canadian medical system is basically ignoring that altogether. And uh, they're pushing to just basically start to kill their citizens. And so I am pretty fucking strongly against this. I think it's a fucking embarrassment and a disappointment in our medical system. Uh, it really shows some of the flaws in the way that our government spends money and basically is linked to, and, and this is my fucking tinfoil hat, they're linked to the fucking um, big pharma companies and they're basically just trying to fucking prescribe people with a bunch of pills and, and try and you know hide the fucking uh, impacts of these mental illnesses and not trying to find the causes of them and how we can try and find a better solution for it other than the ones that makes them millions of fucking dollars. And when these people are at their fucking wits end, they're like, hey, instead of continuing our treatment, uh, let's just fucking offer you death. And uh, like I said, it's fucking embarrassing and it's disappointing and it's depressing. And for me, it rings true to the importance of, you know, uh, private organizations to start, you know, supporting these people in ways that they're not being supported in the first place. And so that's the reason in the first place that I started this podcast. That's the reason I started the YouTube channel. It's the reason I do pretty much fucking everything I do, which is, you know, I've suffered from these mental illnesses in my life and I don't want other people to suffer. Like this is a true, truly a, not a passion project, but a compassion project in that, you know, I think that there's more than one ways other than just financially that we can help people. And I think that these are tough conversations to have, but they're necessary conversations to have because there are people out there that are slipping through the cracks that our medical system has and those are the people that need to hear messages like this the most. They don't need to be told, hey, it's okay to just fucking give up and die. They need to be told, hey, you can fucking push through this and life can and will get better for you. No matter how fucking bleak it seems right now, no matter how fucking dark the road may seem, you know, you can fucking make improvements. You can get better. And sometimes it's not going to be our fucking government that has your back. You're going to have to build strong communities. You're going to have to build strong connections with people in those communities. You're going to have to strengthen yourself and make yourself stronger and make yourself a little bit better slowly every single day. And then when you get to a point where you're not suffering as much, where it becomes a little bit more bearable, you turn around and you help lift others up as well. And so that can be the trickle down effect of the entire thing. You make your life better. You turn around, you help someone else make their life better, they turn around, they help someone else make their life better, and it continues fucking going until we're not at a place where we have to fucking kill our own citizens. And so, that's all I got for today. 
I'm interested to hear what you guys think about this. I'm interested to hear some feedback on this. If you're fucking, uh, if you disagree with me, let me know. And we can have some conversations about that. Reach out to me on Instagram, comment it in the section, in the comment section below. If you're watching this on YouTube, I believe a review for the podcast. If you listen to the podcast version of this, and if you're looking, if you are in the Vancouver area and you're looking for this community, if you're looking for connection, you're looking for just someone to talk to, then we have the Risen Fallen group. So you can fucking join that. You can come to the meetups. You can come on the Zoom calls. You can come on the group chat. You can talk to people that are looking to help you out because that is the community that we're trying to build. If you're looking to support that community, if you're looking, hey, I don't live around the Vancouver area, but I want to support that community, we do have Risen Fallen merch as well. It's available at risenfallen.com. There's tees, there's hoodies, and the proceeds of that go towards the in-person meetups that we have pays for the coffees pays for the skating pays for whatever we do on a weekly basis um and and personally that's what i think is the solution is creating a stronger community and then creating a stronger connection to that community so that we have a shoulder to lean on because it's obviously not being provided by our government and our medical system so with that being said i think that's a great place to wrap this up i hope you're doing well happy fucking thursday and uh that's all i got So let me know what you think. And um, if you're suffering right now, you know, whether it's physically or mentally, just know that life can and will get fucking better. It might not seem like it, but it fucking can. I got your back. And I know there's a community of people that got your back as well in the Risen Fallen group. So if you feel like you need to share this with somebody, please do share this with someone that, that maybe... Um, is suffering, needs to hear this message. I think this is a message that needs to be spread because there's a huge fucking change that our medical system and our government needs to go through. Um, Share this with people that need to fucking hear it. Share this with people that agree. Share this with people that disagree. Start the conversation. Start having tough conversations like this because that's the only way that change can come about. So that's all I got for today. I'm signing out. Have a fucking good weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday. Much love. Peace out, you beautiful fucking humans. I love you all.